We uh, got a special guest this week, Dusty Bennett. Dusty, man, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here. Can you can you tell everybody uh, what you do? Other, I know you do everything, but if you could condense it at TSU, what is your main responsibility other than making the rest of these guys look good? No, so I'm, <laughs> I serve as the chief of staff for the football team at TSU. Um, that encompasses everything uh, off the playing field from compliance, academics, fundraising, budget, travel, future scheduling, day-to-day uh, -day operations, um, you know, putting out fires, any, anything that you can think of, um, I do on my side of it. I have a great team behind me, too, that helps uh, on the personnel side. Um, I help oversee some of the recruiting and uh, getting, you know, student-athletes to TSU and what that looks like, so... Uh, you know, jack of all trades. Right, you know what? The coach told me do a number of things, and, and I, don't, I don't think he even hit on half of them that he said. So, um, we start the show off, unfortunately, on a sad note, but I promise we'll get better from there. Um, coach, I know you wanted to talk about uh, Terry Donahue a little bit, so I'm just going to pass it right off to you and let you say a few words. Yeah, I do. I, I first of all, want to uh, give a my regards to the Donahue family. Uh, I've gotten to know them uh, over the years, knew Coach Donahue a little bit. Uh, he was Crosstown rival, UCLA, um, did a tremendous job. And I thought he was one of the icon coaches in California. Um, he did such a tremendous job, recruited a lot of great players, was a huge influence on a lot of players' lives. A lot of those guys are my friends today, and they're hurting today because of what he meant to them. Uh, he was 77 years old, lived in Newport Beach. I would run into him every now and then, but, but what a tremendous football coach, more so than that, but what a great guy. He was just fun to be around, always had a big smile, always liked to talk football, and, but more so than that, he always liked helping his players. And so uh, I, I will remember him that way because they, there was a time when they kind of ran Southern California, did a great job. And uh, he, he was one of the best at what he did. Oh, and our, obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to, to the Donahue, Donahue family right now. Um, I wonder how he would have thought or what he would have thought about this new name, image, and likeness. Um, I want to go through with you guys, and I want to do it in a way, so bear with me because it's once I say it, it'll make sense. I want to do kind of a good, bad, and ugly. So let's start with the good, right? So the good is players are going to start to be able to, you know, make some money as I think they should off their own name, image, and likeness, which makes sense to everybody else uh, looking in from the outside. Other sports, I understand, and correct me, you guys know this better than I do, but other sports have been able to do this to a certain extent. Basketball, football, I think being the exception. So what's the good that you guys see from, from the, the new NIL? I'll let Dusty start it. So, I mean, the good is obviously like what you said. I mean, you, you, you have an instance where student athletes now have the ability to capitalize on who they are as an individual. Um, you know, I've been around this industry for a long time and, and seen it through a lot of lenses. Um, uh, one example being, you know, if I'm a student, I'm a musician. In the past, I was not able to perform or make money using my name on stage, playing music, doing things. If I had a YouTube channel, I couldn't use my name to make money. You know, so now these these students, you know, and not just student athletes, but just, you know, uh, students in general have the ability to capitalize on it. <clears throat> now, the, the other good part of it is, too, is um, it allows students to start thinking about that earlier, like pre-college, pre-professional, 
Um, I think a lot of people associate the NIL with, you know, oh, now you're just going to pay college athletes to go rush for a thousand yards and it's going to be enticing and, you know, they're going to have boosters paying kids. And yeah, that there, there could be instances where that happens through the process, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for kids to understand how to build a brand. What does a business look like? Entrepreneurship's one of our huge pillars. It's been a pillar of mine for a long time. I know Coach Jackson as well. Like that, that's something important. So you, you have the ability to teach these kids now. Um, what does an LLC look like? What do taxes look like? What does making money look like? And not just to transition into professional sports, but transition into real life. And, and what does that look like? And, you know, if you go and play professional sports, great. Um, but if you don't, you now have the ability to tap in some really good resources to learn what that looks like. Yeah, I think, the, right, the good is definitely the earlier you can learn, unfortunately, paying taxes, but also money management, you know, investments, those types of things, right, because a lot of, for the one, what is it, one or 2% that make it to the pros, they just get dumped a million dollars and now they, what do they do? So, yeah, I, I think that's good. The story I was told, Coach, was, and this one made a lot of sense to me. So football, for example, again, the number is one or 2% of, of college athletes actually make it to the NFL. For the other 98%, they, they basically play three, four years and have an education, which is great, but weren't able to make any real money. And now for that guy who, or girl, but who was in, you know, ABC, Idaho, and is a huge deal in their hometown who now went to play at Alabama. Well, they could go, they might not be going pro, but they can go back to that town and do autograph signings, have a camp, right? And make some money during the offseason, whatever that looks like. And it, it sets them up for a career after football, after college, where, hey, let's be honest, they're not all making the pros. What else do you see as, as some of the goods? Well, I think the biggest thing, and I think Dusty hit on it, um, learning at a young age how to manage money. You don't learn those things in school. You spend all that time going to college and they never teach you the skills you're going to need in life. And so I think that is one of the biggest things it's going to do. Like, like Dusty said, it's going to make them some entrepreneurs. They're going to learn how to do certain things. It's, it's how to start to manage money. Uh, I think, but, but my concern though, is that we're still talking about young men who's never had money and now they get you know, a, a good wad of money in their pocket, what do they do, you know, and how do they handle it? So you're still going to have those same issues. I think now you're going to have a few more vultures around, you know, everybody's looking with their hand out, you know, because you can get this next year too, and you may get it the year after that, you'll get it the year after that. So I think there's a lot of things that still need to be addressed, but the biggest piece of it, I think, is the education of money. And if we, what I'm hearing, most colleges are saying, if they're doing this, they're going to teach a class on the education of money and the players have to take the class. Well, I think that's excellent. You go, you got to make this work somehow that they really get something out of it besides just having money in their pocket. I've always had a love hate relationship with universities and colleges because okay. I get it. I get it. You go, you go there to learn or you go there to learn how to learn. And I felt like for me, a lot of stuff was, hey, I, I got to read this, memorize it, and then regurgitate it. Great. I'm really good at that. So I did really well, but I didn't learn anything. And so I was like, there needs to be this mandatory piece. And, and I hope mm -hmm. this pushes that, right? This mandatory life skills, right? You have guys, my roommate in, in university didn't even know how to use a bank card. Like there was no life skills. And those are things that you need to learn. And again, taxes, all that other stuff. 
So, so there's good, right? They deserve to mm -hmm. get some money for their name and image and likeness. I think we all agree on that. I know the bad and the ugly are going to mix together. So I get that. So let's, let's look at the bad. Coach, you and I talked a, a couple of days ago a little bit about some of the bad, like agents, those vultures mm -hmm. hanging around and not just in college, right? They're going to start in high school. So Dusty, I'm going to kick it back to you. What let's maybe not the worst thing. Let's save the right. worst thing for what is one of the bad things that might come out of this? I think the lack of education prior to releasing it. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, coach and I've talked about this and uh, schools, some schools are ill-equipped to, to handle NIL. And what does that look like in educating student athletes? Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of people in the world of college athletics and branding um, that I think are exceptional. Um, one of which that we're trying to partner with at TSU to come in and teach uh, what building a brand looks like for a student athlete and understanding those relationships. Um, the other part of it too is the NCAA, you know, they, in situations like this, they seem to defer to the institution um, to build regulations around what NILs look like. So there's not a standard NIL agreement across the board that every college program adopts, right? Every college is building out NIL, um, you know, templates on what student athletes can and cannot do based on the institution. Example being, can you wear the school brand? Can you use the logo? Can, what, what are coaches involvement in helping student athletes get, you know, what is a fair market value? That number has came out a couple of times, like, you know, student athletes have the ability to sign NILs, but the price has to be a fair market value. Well, who, who, who decides that, right? What, who's the, the end all be all of saying, this is what a student athlete can do. And, and what that's gonna do is it's gonna affect recruiting. You know, if, if one, NLI, one NIL agreement looks different at one school than another, and a student athlete's debating on those two schools, and they have an opportunity to potentially build their brand bigger at one school, they're gonna choose that all day. Because I mean, that's just where we are in the world right now. And, there, and, and you also deal, we talk about agents, but there's also this like underground world of what we call handlers or influencers in young student athletes' lives. And most of them own companies that do camps or they do different things across the country. And now you're in a position to where can they sponsor students and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to sign you to an NIL. You go here to this school or I have a relationship at this school. Not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that the bad is that those things now become conversation. You know, I, I had a, I have a really good friend um, who works in the branding world and I was having a conversation about it. Like, and, you know, even with cryptocurrency and NFTs and stuff that are, you know, happening. One of the things that came up was people finding a way to incentivize on an NLL side where, Hey, with an NFT, if you go to this school, I'll, and you get there and you register for classes, I'll release a hundred thousand dollars in tokens. Hey, you go to this school and do this. I'll release two, $2,000 in tokens. That's great. You know what I'm saying? Like now we're in a world, not just of the transaction of dollar bills, but now there's things that you really can't trace. Right. Yeah. Like so, so let me, let me pause you there and ask a question. Wasn't that happening already? It was, it absolutely was. Now you've almost made it more approachable. Right. And now, it, now what was happening in the shadows, it's not necessarily in the light, but there's one foot in one foot out. Right. And you have to, 
you know, not Coach Jackson, I talked about this earlier, you know, sometimes in our industry, a lot of pressure is put on coaches to educate and say, you got to do this and you got to do that. And that is absolutely part of our job as not only coaches, but athletic administrators. But in this particular situation, you run into an instance where if a coach helps one kid on an NLI or an NIL, and then there's another player in the same room and you can't offer the same thing for that player. Now you're even talking about conflicts of interest. Yeah. And where does that relationship now fall for coaches and players? So I, I think there's a lot of conversations happening. I, I, Coach Jackson, I, we have a group text with our, our coaches and we're putting in their questions and it's all kinds of crazy. But I mean, it's good because it's a brain dump of the what ifs. Like, you know, schools have been marketing, doing commercials forever. This is an example, right? And so before, as a student athlete, they would show the game or they would show a kid scoring a touchdown or they would have a player talking about, hey, I go to University of Alabama, I'm majoring in science. Well, now can they sign an NIL with the school and get paid to do that? Can the school pay or compensate a player? The answer is that nobody really knows. It's kind of really open, right? Like, So, you know, so what you're saying is I should start an NIL regulatory <laughs> body. And, and I could be the president yeah, I mean, of that. Any, any company, right? I mean, coach knows I'm always looking to start something. <laughs> boosters and boosters, like you see the thing that's going on right now in Miami where there's somebody that's giving money to every scholarship. Every, every player, scholarship right? student, yeah. Right? You know, some schools aren't allowing boosters to participate in NIL agreements with student athletes. Um, and that was a question that was proposed early on. If you have a booster that owns a company, the booster as an individual is not sponsoring the NIL, but the company in which they own as principal is now sponsoring NIL. And what does that look like um, from a recruiting standpoint, retention standpoint, and, and the conversation of, you know, not every state has adopted NIL regulations. So the NCAA has passed it. Tennessee, for an example, it hasn't passed yet. In Tennessee, it's it's supposed to go into effect January 1, 2022, but we're still we still are allowed to have NIL agreements. And you have, you have a pretty big one, I heard. Uh, on yeah, the basketball, one of on our the basketball, basketball side, yeah. multi-million dollar deal. We had a we had a uh, football player today sign with Barstool Sports. We've had we 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 have a couple of them that are in the works. One of our players is signed with a barbershop, and there's a lot of great things happening around it. And so it's 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 just a unique perspective because. The other side of it is, is that if I'm a high school athlete and I'm being recruited, right? So now you have high school athletes who are like, man, if I'm a senior in high school, I have not yet made it to college. I'm an amateur athlete. I'm, I can go sign with whoever and make money. I can sign with an agent. This agent can give me money. Well, some states that haven't adopted the NIL, now you're affecting your amateurism as an athlete and potentially affecting your ability to go and play college sports. So the, the education piece doesn't just happen from freshman in college to senior in college. Now that the NIL exists, the conversation needs to start in, as a freshman in high school when you enter those, just, just the same way from an eligibility standpoint. Yeah, right? and, that's, and, that's, and I think that's when we start going from that bad to the ugly, because now you're going to have, you know, Coach and I talked, whether it be agents, which are okay, but then the, you know, that other element, um, <laughs> you know, hanging around those high schools, and starting to see, hey, who's who's the who's the guy, who's the girl, who's the player that I should kind of put my hand in their pocket and and force them into into that type yeah. of deal, or hey, I'm going to get a piece of whatever you get, coach. Right. I, you like I said, you and I talked about it. What's your if you had to? I know there's a bunch, but what's your is that your biggest fear, or is it or is it something yes. else? No, that's my biggest fear. Um, 
there's another dark side to all of this, as, as Dusty mentioned, and it's the streets and the streets talk. And it's all about money. It's all about moving money, accumulating money and moving money. And if you are in one of those neighborhoods where that's what really goes on, you can best believe they're going to know that that kid now is getting paid a substantial amount of money. And if you want protection, if you want protection of your family, if you want this in the future, maybe I can triple this money for you. Those are going to be conversations that are going to be had. Right. People are naive, and, right? People are naive. They're, they, they don't absolutely. think that's going to happen. But I, you grew up in one of those neighborhoods. It's going to happen. Is there any, is it, is there any, maybe I'm being, I'm going to be unicorns and rainbows here for a second. Okay. Is any of that good that, Hey, there's going to be those, look, they're, look, they're going to put their hand in their pocket, obviously, but they're going to say, Hey, we're going to protect you and make sure that you make it to university. You don't get into this other life. Is that? No, they're going to protect it as long as you pay them. As long as you pay them. Right. <laughs> you know, right. that's really the side of that. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. Cause at some point in time, the player is going to buck. I don't want to give you all my money. I don't want you, my, my parents all of a sudden heard that you're, we don't want you dabbling in the money. We'll, we, we're going to dabble in this money. So that that's an issue. And yeah. I think the NCAA doesn't have an answer for that. They have no way of having an answer. No, that. but that's always been the problem. I'm, so let me be the one who NCAA can't say anything to me, right? Their laws, their regulations, their train of thought is still from like 1902. They're archaic. That's why we have this issue today. Um, how, okay. So two questions. One, are they going to get involved in your opinion? And I want to go back to something Dusty said, is there any chance a state doesn't pass this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, it, it literally is up to state legislation on how they look at NIL. Um, you know, and, and most of the NIL agreements that I've seen over the last, you know, few days since it came out, like, you know, that's what happens in this. Hey, what are you doing for NIL for your school? What are you doing for your school? And you kind of build an idea of like how everybody's handling it. There are some verbiage in, you know, some of the agreements where it's like you can have representation, right? You can have a lawyer, you can have an agent. However, they're only supposed to represent you for NIL agreements. Now, that's great. And that's good on paper in black and white. But we all know if you bring an agent into the mix, it's not just for NIL. They're with you throughout the whole course, you know, of your career. Yeah, they're, they're building that relationship, that yes. that stronghold because draft, shoe deals, endorsements, everything, right? Yeah. And they're going to say, yeah, OK, it's NIL for now. But listen, if you get drafted and, and the other thing, too, is agents, you know, they give loans and they buy cars and they help people buy houses and they do stuff. And if you can't, if there's, and they, some of them are good with looking at ROI, like, and before they do it, some of them are just like going to put you in a position to where you could come out of college in a ton of debt, yeah. far less than you would have without NIL. I'm not, this is just a bad piece of it. It's not going to happen all the time, but it's just a conversation. If a kid takes money or, you know, an agreement goes bad or, you know, something happens and they have to repay something, they don't have the money because the kids are spending it. I, like a school like TSU, um, you know, we're an equivalency school, so we're FCS, right? So our, our football program is not a headcount sport. So we have kids on all different levels of scholarships, right? So from, you know, half scholarship, full scholarship, books, whatever that looks like. And so NIL to student athletes at my school looks a lot different than, you know, a student athlete somewhere else that's getting a full scholarship plus cost of attendance. See, that's the other conversation that a lot of people don't have along with the NIL is that there are schools that, give what we call COA, which is cost of attendance. And so now NIL is on top of it. The difference is, is that there's no cap on NIL. 
right? There are some schools that are saying fair market value, but what is that? Like, is that a hundred thousand? Is that a million? I mean, it's not, we, we have a student athlete at TSU that signed for $2 million. I mean, that's awesome. You know I mean? It's, it's great. And um, you know, so to me, I would rather student athletes have business managers, like, you know, like, Hey, you can't sign an agreement. They're not signing a contract, but you can't prevent that. There's no, you know, there's no way to prevent it in in, in a short term in the, in the, you know, the, the big thing is that you don't even know what student athletes sometimes have NILs. They're supposed to be reporting them every time or going through a system, whatever that looks like, whether it's compliance. But I mean, in reality, like who's, following that right because some nils don't require you to do anything like most people think oh i'm on an nil because i'm going to be in a commercial or i'm going to be on a billboard but some nils just want you to be you and they're paying you because you're at a certain school and you play a certain sport and you you to them are an asset and at some point along the way you could potentially become a liability and that's the but it's in, in theory it's supposed to be so that you're promoting something right it's supposed to be but it's not that's not like for everything. Right. I mean, you know, there's, there's some instances where, you know, you might have to do something once a year and it's a hundred grand. Well, that's, what are you doing the other 300, you know, 60 days a year when you're not doing it or there's not always an exchange of money. There's also exchange of products, um, influence, um, you know, so you don't know what those agreements look like. You hope that you have representation that can help guide you. But I mean, even if you're a top tier athlete, you know, some people, agents or, you know, lawyers representing say, hey, my fee is going to be paid when you get to the NFL or you get to the NBA. I, I want X amount of your fir- first signing bonus or your first contract. In return, I'll, I'll do this, this, and this from a marketing standpoint from an NIL. Then all of a sudden that kid goes down with an ACL mm-hmm. or you know, gets hurt. What, what, what happens? What happens? Yeah, what happens? In, in, injuries, another thing. I have another question now. The majority of them are going to be 18, but some are, you know, fast. There's, is there any, do, do you have to be a certain age to sign an NIL? Like what if you're, you know, Hey, you're a quick learner and you're 17 years old. Can yeah, you be that signing them? To, that goes back to the amateurism thing that I was talking about yeah. like high school kids and doing that. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a big piece of it. Like there's really not, you know, regulation in the, you know, for everything that we get, it's always deferred to the institution. So it's up to us to kind of build out, you know what that looks like so it's it's tough and i mean another thing is too, it's gonna is, get messy right well, what yes. if you, uh, yeah what if you, <laughs> i see coach over there just thinking this could be yeah, messy. I'm like, yeah, what if, what really messy. Sign, like what if you sign an nil right and they give you a hundred thousand dollars to tweet 10 times a year and then you don't tweet 10 times a year you've signed like but you've spent the hundred grand like what are you doing to a are you suing yeah. now now is there going to be litigation involved with companies and student athletes at the college level yeah. on trying to, you know, rectify those agreements. Like it, it could get crazy. Right. These aren't Hey, hey right it could now. be, it could be a hundred grand and then you, you, you blow your knee, like you said. And it's like, well, it was a right. one year deal. They couldn't play. And now, now, right. now you owe me back that hundred grand. And we all know if you gave me, let's, let's use, I think his name's Hersey, Hersey Miller, right? Master, masterpiece son there. Mm-hmm. I just, when I saw that 2 million, I was like, oh, that just makes a whole lot of sense. Um, if you gave that to me in a lump sum, it'd be gone. Right. gone just at 18 years old 19 years old it would be gone and i think back to like alan iverson's contract if you remember there's like a kicker 
um, <laughs> when he turns like 50 or something like that, that Maybe was brilliant. Right. I think it was the Reebok deal. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but right. um, that Reebok deal and it kicked in and a good thing that it kicked in because Allen Iverson fell in the trap like a lot of athletes do where now I have some money. My job is to take care of my people, which is great. It's honorable. But once you start putting that money, you know, money's supposed to flow down. Coach and I talked about this. We learned this, mm-hmm. but it starts to flow up and sideways too sometimes. And now you're in, now you're in a jam. So coach, uh, you've been, you've been quiet. I know, I know some of your thoughts, but any final. No, I just, I'm concerned because I'm concerned about the student athlete. I think uh, there is a thought. I, I love that the NCAA is doing something, but the amateurism of college sports is about to go out the window. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be gone pretty soon. It, it has to. Yeah, you know, and it's not. I mean, you're gonna have more some players making more than coaches. Sorry, I you just know, thought. Got, I, I just thought. Man, sorry, I'm sorry Manning. to cut you off. I'm sorry. So you got I, Manning's son. You got yeah. Manning's one of the Manning's sons. I think the brother that didn't play football. His son's yeah. a quarterback, and they're saying he's gonna get ten million dollars. Ten million, yeah. I, I was gonna. I, I was gonna ask you a question because um, this. I, I don't know that we talked about this either. Because now that we're getting into paying players, so what if you've signed an NIL? And you think, hey, I got money. I'm here to play football. And you don't go to class. Now, I know there's some other things that happen. But you you flunk. And now you're ineligible. Yeah, that goes back to the thing that there's no there's no safety. There's net. no there's no safety net there, right? No, there never has been for that type of stuff either. Like, you know, it, it's just going to be a uh, I don't want to say slippery slope because I think there is a lot of good, right? I think there is a lot of positive in having NILs. But like I said at the very beginning, the lack of education that happened before they released the NIL. Now, it's always been coming down the pipeline. Hey, NIL's coming, NIL's coming, NIL's coming, NIL's coming. And there have been a lot of institutions that have got in front of it and tried to help. But I mean, really, you're talking about a cohort of every four years, kids always interchanging, the generations change, the type of players change, the type of mentality changes. So I mean, there's it's always going to be a battle. And like coach Jackson said, I think the amateurism of college sports um, is potentially at jeopardy um, big time. If there's not a, because that's the big thing, like you're saying is that now does eligibility matter? Like, do you have now have APR is graduation success rate something like, you know, we, we talk about APR at our world, um, you know, which is something big and it's a retention and eligibility scale that they use in college athletics. And, you know, but it's like now we need to focus on job placement rate, right? I mean, what does that look like? What is that? What is the JPR, right? I don't know the answer, but it's you know going <laughs> well, back to it. Yeah. Well, before the whole NIL thing, like I'm talking years and years ago, my you know I've always been a proponent of pairs uh, of players being paid, right, a certain mm-hmm. amount because obviously you know it's it's a million if not billion dollar industry uh, for these sports, and my thought was always give them portions every so often give them a, I guess, a bonus at the end for graduating and then maybe have those kickers in at, you know, 25, 30, 40 years old, whatever that is, depending on how much they make. Um, just so that you kind of, you take care of the player, the person long-term, not just here's a lump sum. Cause that, that was my, my concern. Always you dump a bunch of money on a kid, we're going to spend it. And, and that's, that I think is always going to be, I, I want to go back. So this is the last question on NIL that I want to ask. So if there is a state, so right now, like you said, Tennessee hasn't signed or hasn't put it into effect. That's obviously going to, will it kill their teams? Because every, 
Uh, the NCAA rule, you, we, like we can still do NILs at Tennessee State, um, but the state legislation around amateurism and paying athletes and stuff like that, um, it's just a big conversation. Some states will cap it, some states will that threshold or whatever that looks like. So every state's going to be different. But like going back to the recruiting piece, the schools that are in NIL friendly states have an opportunity. Have an advantage. They just have an opportunity to enhance that. But think about this, Anthony, if you're a player, and I said this to our staff members the other day, I need to go somewhere where I can play. Right. Because that would be my next question. I now have, because I have a chance to make more money, build a bigger brand, you know, be seen, all of that. I don't want to go somewhere as a great player. I'm not going to USC now because I'm probably going to play two years instead of playing four. So I want to go to Tennessee State now because I'm going to be seen and I'm going to get an endorsement deal that, I mean, a branding deal for my likeness that can pay me for potentially four years. You're going to have more players staying in school longer because they're making this money prior to going to the national football so yeah, I think it's all there, there was that was another example that was thrown out to me was let's say you're that you know four four star recruit quarterback who's going to be third string at Alabama. Well, maybe you know maybe I leave and say hey, national titles are great or Clemson or whatever. They're, that's great to win, but I can make some money right now playing. They start to maybe move a little bit. So maybe, so you think a lot of those, you think there are a lot of players in that portal now? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That point will be over. And the ones compounded with the one-time transfer rule too. So like now you can immediately transfer and be eligible as long as you haven't previously transferred from another four-year school. So I mean, it's you. It's, you uh, think you think this? You think this? This summer's gonna be busy. Wait till next summer, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you, what do you, you think the mom and dad? What do you think the mothers and dads are saying now? Don't Get you? to the school where you can play. That's right. Yeah. Or or come home. Come stay mm-hmm. close to home instead of going mm-hmm. over there where you're going to sit on the bench. Come mm-hmm. here and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So from NIL rules to rules that – so to a rule that changed, let me put it this way, to a rule that that to a rule that should have been changed but hasn't, Shikari Richardson. Mm. So I'm going to tell you – I'm going to ask you a question at the end. So I'm going to tell you first. Because <laughs> I, I feel strongly about this one, and I've been getting a lot of heat. She broke a rule. It was a rule. Sorry, she has to pay the consequence. I'm sorry. I, I, I get it that the rule's dumb and it should be changed. I, I agree. It should. But let's not fight to say, hey, she shouldn't be punished for what she did wrong. Let's fight to change that stupid rule. So with that being said, here's actual my actual question. She admitted to it. She went through a tough time. She found out about her biological mo- I get all the reasons she did it. I do. She said, I accept my responsibility, a 30-day suspension. I can't run the 100 meter. It's a shame because she looked great in, in the trials. But then USA Track and Field made a decision that is completely the coach's decision to, to have her on the relay team, and they chose not to. I want your thoughts on that piece because they still could have brought her and had her in the four by one relay, but chose instead to leave her off the team completely. I think it puts the coach in a tough situation because I have to, I want to win. She can help us win, but it's not going to help me in the locker room with everybody else, you know, because you're bending rules. You just said it. First thing you said, there was a rule and the rule was broken. The rule is broken. The rule is broken, you know? So in the discussion, we can't, we can't go, we can't supersede that, you know, and, and she owned it. 
And I was a, a very, um, that was an admirable thing for her to do. She owned it. She didn't make excuses for it. And she said, she'll pay the price. You know, everybody else was talking about her running the, in the four by one. She never mentioned it. I mean, so that being said, I think she knew what the outcome was going to be. You know, she never pretended. We have more football players petitioning on her behalf from LSU than, than, than her. So my whole thing is, look, I understand. And th- that goes to show you human nature. You know, we want to win. You know, she's a winner. Yeah. And that happens every day in college football. What are you, what are your standards? What, are, what, what do you stand for? You know, and I think that means more to me than anything. Yeah. Dusty, do you disagree? No, I think I'm with coach on that. I mean, I'm not a coach. I've never coached. You know, I've always worked just in the business side of it. Um, I do unfortunately deal with, you know, rules and regulations when it comes to team rules and, you know, policies and procedures. And um, even from a team standpoint, what the outside doesn't punish, you still might have team consequences, you know, or program consequences. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, like you said, she broke a rule and, and, and it sucks. I mean, I, I mean, that's really what it, it's just a, you know, difficult situation that was a spotlighted situation. The unfortunate thing is there's a lot of those situations that occur across the board, right? That was just something that had a pedestal at the moment, right? And so, um, because I've seen it um, in football and kids that, you know, were really, really doing really good. And then something like this happens and then they're shut down, right? And so um, it's tough. And it's, a, it's also, you know, I think she handled it from a mental standpoint you know, as best as anybody could. Right. You know, and um, I think, you know, she, she knows too, as an athlete, like what the rules are and she understands that. Right. I mean, so sometimes you just, you know, it's just bad luck and uh, it's tough. And, and, you know, I, I hate to see it, obviously for, you know, her competing and what she's worked hard to do, but, you know, like we said, you know, there's just rules. Yeah. So, so look, Mar- we, I think we all, if anyone disagrees with this, please jump in. Marijuana is not a uh, performance enhancing drug, right? We all agree no, on that. No, it's not. Uh, right. d- d- it, this rule needs to change, yes? Is there any? Yes. Yeah, right? Okay. It does. Okay. It does. I, I had one person, one, say, my kid runs track. I don't want them, you know, smoking and doing this. And I kind of went, okay, fine. I get it. You don't want them doing it, but it shouldn't be a reason to be thrown off an Olympic team because to think that she did that and then still went out maybe that was why she had such a slow start uh but she still just killed them all that she killed them all like it's, it's incredible I you know I, I, this this is about her life right yeah I mean this right. she's a 21 yeah. year old young lady and there's consequences to things that you do you yeah. know and I think hopefully everybody took that for that I mean that's really what life's about you know there's decisions and there's consequences and if you don't understand that in life at a young age, you're, you're just setting yourself up for failure. So, and I think I, that's I, the problem. We don't. Not yeah. enough. Not enough. Know that that well, there's. Well, think about how many people are saying "run, run, run." I mean, some people that you would say they wouldn't say that. I mean, some people I'm shocked they're saying "run." I mean, but at the end of the day, because they know how good she is, it's not about you know what's really going on in our world today. It's really about she can win for us. And not that we're trying to make the person the best that they can be. So right. it's, just, it's just interesting. Yeah. So now, now what about what about other Olympic sports? Like, like I, I believe marijuana is legal in NHL or NBA, and like there's professional sports, right? 
but those sports that compete in the Olympics. So now if one of those athletes is in a sport that doesn't get tested, they get, they make the Olympic team. They, they will be in, they'll be ineligible. Yeah. Test, right? So I mean, that's a, yeah. that's if, a, if they test, if they test, let's say USA basketball, and right. they mm-hmm. and they test positive for marijuana, they will not they're be eligible. eligible. Right. According to IOC rules, they'd be yeah, they'll they won't so be eligible yeah, to play. That's another reason why I think the rules should probably be adjusted, right? Because it yeah. you're, the, where you're getting your athletes to compete in the Olympics. Yeah. Hey, I, I, listen, I'm I'm here. I'm 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 here in Canada. I'm in Toronto, and it's legal. So right. you're doing something legal at home, and then to go out and compete, and it's well now it's you know it's it's a weird situation again it's another one of these archaic you know like prohibition things so it brings up a a point and so this this goes to to this uh marijuana thing and nil so i wanted to that's why i wanted to bring them together so there's some athletes who have lost uh, whether it be heisman trophies records whatever because they broke some of those rules do you say from this day forward it's okay or do there's been a lot of people saying, no, you need to go back and correct. You know, the big one has been Reggie Bush, give him his Heisman back. Um, or as I call him from that ESPN commercial, Reggie Bush. Uh, was my favorite <laughs> commercial ever. So no, we don't go back or we do go back. You don't go back. I love Reggie. And I, I mean, I know where he's coming from, but that's like saying every player who played college football, who was a hot player should go back and now claim NILs. from the school, everything else, you know, I I just think you can't go back. You got to move forward. It is what it is. It's painful, but you got to move forward. From Dusty's side, it would be a logistical nightmare. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Not not only that, but I mean, it's like the player that played in the eighties that made a hundred thousand dollars a year in the NFL and the same position player makes two, three million dollars. And now are they going to pay me my money? Y'all need to owe me money, right? Like, yeah, I think we owe Kareem a whole lot of money. Right? It's, yeah, <laughs> it, it would be, yeah, that's tough because you're dealing with two entities in this. You're dealing with yeah. the Heisman Trophy, you know, committee, and you're also dealing with NCAA. And you know, and the Heisman Trophy committee kind of did an NCAA move. And they said, hey, we'll defer it to the NCAA, and if they reinstate it, <clears throat> then we consider it. Right? Yeah. That seems to what that seems to be what happens in situations like this. So it's it's tough. So and the Olymp- so the Olympic part, you know, you had Stephen Jackson and others saying this rule is racist and all black people should boycott the Olympics. And some have. And you've had some athletes come out and say, hey, we're still here. We're still competing. Please support us. Coach, because of your face, I'm going to put to you. We're not you shouldn't be boycotting the Olympics, right? No, because there's so I many agree. athletes. you got to support there's your so country. Many. You have to support your country. And it's what you've trained and worked all your life for. And now we're going to make this a racial issue. I just, I don't see it that way. I mean, she legitimately smoked marijuana. I mean, and she owned it. I mean, come on, it's, it's in the rule books. You can't do that. So she broke a rule. You know, it's no different if you're speeding or stealing or whatever this is. I mean, come on, what, what do we stand for again? I mean, it's, it's right back to that. And I just, I struggle with people who flip and flop on these particular issues. I mean, you got to say what you mean and mean what you say. And if you don't, then you'll fall for anything. So I get concerned about those people. Another woman uh, has got into some hot water, but this time not for um, what went into her uh, body, but what came out of her mouth. Um, Rachel, Rachel Nichols was caught. Oh my God. I don't know how people, I got to be honest with you. 
I don't know how people still get caught with cameras on, you know, these Zoom calls that, you know, guys are caught doing stuff with the camera still on or microphone still on. At some point, you need to know, right? Look at this lady. She's recording us. We're getting recorded. Everything's recorded. (laughs) Everything's recorded. How can you think it's not? So I'm going to put the big question out to you. Was this more about Rachel Nichols being a racist and didn't want a black woman to take her job? Or was this Rachel Nichols saying, Maria Taylor's really good at her job and I might lose it and I'm going to do everything I can to keep my job? Or somewhere in the middle? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I, asked, the I, tuss, I asked the tough question, Dusty. You should know. You're right. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. I think it's somewhere yeah. in the middle. I think, uh, I, but I do think Rachel felt the, the pressure of somebody who has the potential to take a job. Another younger, taller, you know, good looking lady who is. Who played basketball and who's, listen, in my opinion, everyone has their own, I think Maria Taylor is better than Rachel Nichols. Not that Rachel Nichols is bad, but I think she is better. Right. And she has relationships with these players. Yeah. You know, because she knows what they've done and their background and what they've gone through. Rachel don't know that. And, and so I'm, I'm not going to just give my, my job away easily. I'm a fight for it. And that's what Rachel was doing. And she fought the wrong way. Right. You know, and I just, uh, it's unfortunate, but everybody who says there's a hot mic, are you crazy? There's a mic everywhere. There's always a hot so, mic. Oh my gosh. Listen, you you know yeah. it when you start talking and your phone responds back to you. You you know <laughs> right. yes. what yeah. did you say? Siri yeah. says, what did you yeah, say? Yeah, exactly. Come on. Dusty, you think uh I mean I'm a huge fan of Maria. Like I'm just a, a huge fan of what she does for the industry. Um, we're relatively the same age. We we don't know one another, but came up during the same time in sports, I know a lot of um, Maria Taylors in different industries that are grinding and elevating and things are happening younger and younger and younger now um, because that's just what, it's just what happens. Yeah. It's killing me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, yeah, I just think Rachel probably went about it the wrong way. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, I don't know if intimidated or what the right word would be, but I mean, you know, you have somebody on your heels that's really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes too, people lose sight of collaboration and partnership and they think that it's a, you know, one line den and there's enough room for everyone in that world. I don't know that world. Right. Yeah. I don't know ESPN or whatever and how it looks and, and, and how that stuff's done. I just think there was a, uh, you know, just a, a, poor choice in the moment um but i but with all that being said take that like maria taylor deserves everything that she's gonna get 100 percent, right? like, without a doubt right like it, whatever this happens like this isn't like a oh yeah she's just gonna get it because of this is like she deserves it yeah. like mm-hmm. you know and everything that i've seen you know in her work and what she does and her passion and her interest and her genuine um intent to build relationships when she talks and when she communicates like that's, I mean, it's elite, yeah. right? So, I mean, she deserves to be in the forefront of whatever industry she chooses. She just happens to be in that sports broadcasting world. Yeah, it's it's interesting that everything Rachel Nichols said, she didn't say anything that was, I don't wanna say untrue because there's a couple, but if you think about what she said, she said, ESPN has had a bad history of, of their, or, you know, diver- lack of diversity in their hiring. Well, that's true. Um, and what did she say? I don't want her to take 
you know, I don't want them to take it out on me. So at my expense, what does that really mean? I don't want her taking my job. Right. Absolutely. So, so that's why when I heard it, I was like, cause I actually listened, a lot of people didn't actually listen to it. They just made their opinion, but I actually listened to the whole thing. I'm like, I get it. Here's someone who's scared for her job and she doesn't want to lose it. But there was this underlying thing of you know, because she's black. And I think that's what rubbed people the wrong way because Maria Taylor's not getting it because she's a black woman. She's getting it because she's good at her job. And I think right. that's what everyone needs to focus on is that she, and I would hate for this, you know, this is what I'm afraid of is now both of their names get tied to this and neither one of them, they're kind of like, Hey, we don't want that drama. And they both yeah. kind of get pushed to the side, which is, which would be very unfortunate for her. Um, the other part that came out of this was the, I'll call it the apology, but I don't know that it, it didn't, it wasn't an apology for me. Um, and maybe I'm the last person that needs to comment on this, but when I see, I don't know that she actually apologized for what she said. You know, she said, Hey, I, 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 you know, I don't like that. It hurts some people, but then it was Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins who talked more than she did. And that actually, I think, blew up in ESPN's face even more than anything else because they're like, why are these two guys having to come to her rescue? Let her be there by herself, own her mistake, own what she said. And then, hey, you want to move on to NBA Finals coverage, which you should? Okay, go do that. But did it strike you as odd that Kendrick Perkins and, and Richard Jefferson yeah. you know, were like that, the knights that, in shining armor coming to save her? That was the second biggest mistake she made. Because yeah. then she got fear because she didn't know what to do. She was afraid anything she did was going to be negative. And to me, you got to walk it out. Regardless of what it is, you just got to own it. And, and hey, it's on me. I apologize to you. And, and people get over things when it happens that way. Now it's going in all these different directions. Now they've taken it away from her. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, now she's going to become an outsider here very soon. I, I feel for, you know, again, hindsight's always 2020. It's easy to say, but I would have liked for her to come out by herself, say, look, this is what I said. Why I said it was because I was scared. I love my job and I don't want to lose it to someone who's very talented. And I think we, you know, hey, maybe I handled it wrong. We should have worked together. A million things I think she could have handled it better. So we, we move on. Um, so Rachel's unfortunately probably on her way out. I think actually they've taken, they've already taken her off the NBA final sideline reporting. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that's happened over the last couple of weeks is some NBA coaching hires. And on one side, I like it because, you know, coach, you know, you and I always talk about not enough, you know, black coaches in the NBA, yes. the number's been going down. It's, you know, although it is, they're both ex players which uh, is something, you know, non-players still there's, they haven't been hired, but that's a story for another day. But with the Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billup hires in um, Dallas and Portland, something mm -hmm. else came out about their past. So one in Billups was accused, settled out of court. The other kid pled guilty to uh, uh, assault domestic uh, against his wife. And there was a lot of noise about hiring coaches who have this background. So it's, I know that it's, it's, it's a tough one because, Hey, you made a mistake. You did something wrong. You, you go through the, the steps to, you know, rehabilitate your career, do all this stuff. And the, you know, I guess the, there's two questions. This, so I'll start with the first one is does everybody deserve a second chance or as leaders in this case, leaders of men, should they be held to a higher standard and, and not get a second chance? Go for it, Dust. <laughs> pass that one off right to you like a hot potato <laughs> i mean you know so um 
I've known coaches that have passed and like that are working and still great people and they've moved on from situations. Uh, you know, is it the same car? We having the same conversation, you know, if, if Jason Kidd goes and gets a job in an office and is working in a cubicle, are we where is, I don't know the answer. Right. So I think because of the job and because of the platform and because of the spotlight, that's a conversation that um, just seems to happen. Um, is it because of minority coach that we want to focus on the past? I don't know. I, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people make mistakes, man. Like, you know, I mean, I, I, everybody's an adult, like, you know, and sometimes, you know, things get away. I also think there's an accountability and responsibility to, you know, handling certain situations. The, the second chance to me, I, I don't know if that's the right conversation because Jason Kidd is like from a basketball player standpoint, what he knows in that sport, like he's elite, right? Like, you know, and so he, there's no, no doubt that he can coach and that incident is not going to prevent him from being a great coach. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's part two of the question because last year he was an assistant in LA. So why is it okay to like, no one made any noise about him being an assistant. It's only now that he's become a head coach again, right? It's not like he hasn't, he's also I been a head coach before. I think that because, people want to have a conversation like coach Jackson and I, we have an open dialogue about minority coaches, not just in NFL, NBA, whatever it is. It just bothers me personally. Like when uh, situations like this occur and it's like, it's because of them being a minority coach and whatever professional sport that they're in. And we're going to, we're going to focus in on it. We're going to zoom in on it. That's the most important thing right now, you know, not, all the things that he's done, not only as a player, but like you said, obviously having coached in the league and what he did for the United States as a basketball player for Team USA. Like, I mean, like he's was and is the best man for the job, right? You know what I mean? So that to me is what is the most important thing yeah. is that he was hired to do that job. Does he have a pass? I get pissed off. I get pissed off. It pisses me off too. The whole thing. Because obviously I've been watching this for years now. You take Eric Bieniemy, they go dig up what happened in college. You take you know Jason Kidd and obviously Billups. They they go dig on stuff that happens with minority coaches. The narratives change real quickly to this guy's a bad guy. It doesn't happen the other way. If it if it was fair and that's what they were doing, each side I have no problem with it. But it is always them digging into the minority coach and then bringing something out. I don't care what it is, the slightest of things. And they're going to put it out there in the street so everybody can hear it. I'm tired of that. That's ridiculous. Those guys are the best guys for the job. What happened happened 20 years ago. Everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah, but Billups, I think, I was still be, a Billups. I think both of them actually might have still been players at the time. Yes. They, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, Anthony, this is ridiculous. We keep talking about where we are today. Okay, forgiveness and moving forward and people doing better and being better and maturing and doing good things. That's all talk. Anthony, let me ask you this. If Cameron Kenley was a white football, are you familiar with the Cameron Kenley situation with Naval Academy? Fill us all in just for those that I, I'm this much, but for anyone listening that might not be fully aware, give us some a short background. Navy football player. President of his class, great, outstanding member of his institution, mm -hmm. um, was, you know, de he first denied the ability to go play with the Buccaneers, right? And so there was a petition that was done, and they 
um, I don't know if it was the Secretary of Defense or whoever signed off on it from the Pentagon, came out recently within the last day and has granted him the ability to go play. And the amount of bullshit, for lack of a better term, for people saying that he's un-American, he doesn't care about his country, he, you know, we should get our money back, taxpayers paid his tuition, it's bullshit to me. This kid worked his ass off. He represented the institution at a very high level. I don't know the kid personally, so I'm viewing it from a 20,000 foot view. Are we having the same conversation if that's a, a white student athlete? I don't know. Are we? I, you know, I, I personally don't think we are. Well, so, can we can we dig up like if we went and dig, dug up the, the DUIs and the assaults and the whatevers from every coach? You know, is there one that would be squeaky clean? Is there anyone that has nothing in their past? No. I mean, I mean, I'm not I, I hate to bring up old things, but we've had a coach in National Football League snort cocaine on his desk. On his desk. And the guy is rehabilitated. Nobody says anything. He's making over $1.5 million today. And he's Caucasian. And nobody even talks about how yeah. he got back to where he was. Nobody says anything. It's ridiculous. Well, it's funny how we're all very quick to give an at certain athletes a second chance if they can help our team, regardless mm -hmm. of what they did, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a great quarterback who did some bad things with some dogs that I will tell you to this day, my wife views dogs higher than people. She still will never forgive him for that, but Hey, he could help us win. And now but when it's a coach, uh, well, now we want to have a different conversation, right? If, or if it's a player that can help us win, right. If, Oh, they're past their prime now. So, okay. Now they're, they're out of the league forever. Um, so the other, the other part of this, so this was the one question that I got. So because there was this great essay that was written by a, a Trailblazers fan, and she's like, I don't know that I can be a Blazers uh, fan anymore because they hired, hired Billups. And that's why I brought up the question because it, it was really well written. And at the end of it, one of the, the question was, what if it was your sister or your daughter that they assaulted? Would you feel different? They paid their debt to society. I have to let it go. Part of my walk in life is to forgive and move forward. Can't hold grudges against people. You can't move forward yourself if you do that. So there's no question that when it happened, I've been very pissed off and wanted to rip their heads off. But at the same time, we're talking 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I, it's time to move on. Huh. Right. I, 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 what, I, what I said was I, I probably will never like that person. I will never root for him or her even to succeed. Um, but again, I've made mistakes and I hope Absolutely. that people will forgive me and let me move on with them. So I, I'm yes. assuming yours is the same, right, Dusty? Or is it, or do you, I don't know if you have a sister or. or, or <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, I echo what coach says, you know, I mean, if, you know, you paid your debt to society and you're, you're trying to be better, you know, me, person i'm not speaking on behalf of anybody other than myself like i believe that you have to move forward right okay. and that's just important all right so we're gonna end it on something that's been killing me because i got into a huge debate i guess i didn't want to say an argument but it was, it was more of an argument. We, we we raised our voices it was about home field advantage so now in our case we you know i was talking to a a, a colleague of mine 
you know, coach, I'm doing, I do a basketball show called uh, Fluent yes. and Chill. And Fluent we both, and chill. We, we both played college ball and we talked about home court and he's of the mindset that you go and play. It doesn't matter whether you play in here, there, everywhere you go out and play. And my thing has always been for basketball. So I'm going to ask you the football side of it, but in basketball, listen, I see players when they're at home, they're more comfortable. You see those, especially not superstars, but especially role players. You see them, they shoot a better percentage. They, they just, they have a different kind of attitude about them that you can tell that they're more comfortable at home when people are cheering for them. Some people just can't handle the booze. And so I think to a certain extent for, for the majority of players, yes, there is a home field advantage and it helps. So we got into it a little bit. I want to put it to you guys in football. How and it kind of try to scale it too, right? Is home field advantage a thing? Does it does it really make you better? Do, do you have a better chance of winning at home than you do on the road? Heck yes, you do. There's no question. <laughs> yes. It's not yes. even. It's not, it's, that's yeah. not even a question. Right. I mean, the the goats of of our era and the goats of basketball, football, baseball, whatever that is, they're probably the only people that can go a different place and find a way to get it done. The majority of your team, eighty percent of your team. They'd rather be at home and their comfort and their surrounding and their environments that they're used to and know exactly what that's going to feel like and look like in order for them to play at a very high level. That's why coaches, we try to create the same things at home on the road as much as we can. We want sameness. So guys, and that, yeah, so guys feel comfortable that it feels the same, even though it's not, you know, we try to take that mentality. It's us against the world. We're going to lock everybody else out. And this is, this is ours. Well, that only takes you so far <laughs> because it's not yours. It belongs to them, you know? And so, um, but yeah, you got to find a way to get through that, but there's no doubt you have a home field advantage when you play at home. I know yeah. it's on the business side, but any, <laughs> do, do you like being at home? Cause you get a little more, you know, extra little revenue there is probably good. There. <laughs> no, I, I think so, like we talked about earlier, like, what's my job? You know, what coach says, like replicating that home field when you're away, the home field advantage, like my job is I'm the curator of that, right? Like, so in my role, you know, we have to transition, like whether we're staying at home hotels, you know, if you stay at a home hotel before your home games, when you stay at a away hotel, you try to replicate that same experience. Um, you know, the transition, ingress and egress to and from the stadium. What does that look like when you pass through your fans and you're doing your walk or you're doing the stuff you're engaging in your relationships? Um, I've been at, uh, well, now two schools because Tennessee State, we play at Nissan. So we, we say home field advantage, but it's not on our campus. It's an NFL stadium. I was at Georgia State University when we played at the Georgia Dome. I was the DFO there, so we didn't play on our campus. So that was a unique experience because you had to replicate. You tried to create, you know, a home field, you know, environment. When I was at the University of New Mexico, New Mexico was a great state, great fan, come to the game. And it was like you're on campus and you're like right there in the heart of it. It was really, you know, it was really cool. Um, I, I personally think there's a huge advantage to playing at home. Huge advantage. And we, and we try to play. You try to play as many home games as you can. Sometimes you try to say, oh, you're going to play half and half. In our situation at TSU, um, because we rent Nissan, we have to pay a fee to rent Nissan. Like sometimes we're limited on the number of home games that we can play from an affordability factor, right? So, <clears throat> you know, we're working to get back to Hill. We want it. We want to get back to campus. Um, 
you know, we meet regularly trying to build those feasibility studies on getting us back onto campus to play at home because it's huge. I mean, it's it's such a huge piece for your kids. It's a familiarity. The scenery is familiar. The air is familiar. The way the sun sets is familiar. The, I mean, all the way down. I mean, I'm being out like everything matters in the moment because, you know, it's uh, and you want to throw the, the visiting team off. That's why you see like visiting locker rooms that suck, right? They put you That's in, right. they don't put you in Taj Mahal's when you visit, but then you go oh. to the home locker room, it's, you know, it's beautiful, right? So there's a huge, and it's all the way down to that stuff. So it's, hey, the, there's, there's a the reason, time. there's a reason pro teams, right? Work to get one of those top four seeds so that they can have game yes. seven at home. Yes. There's a reason. Yes. That's, that was my argument. Yes. So, so Dusty, I just, I want you to know we're over, I think nine. I got to check my scoreboard, but I'm guessing over nine. Everyone who comes on the show, we ask them this final question to end the show. And, 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 and we're, oh, I, I, I'm hoping that we're going to finally get one on the, on the plus side here. The most famous person, not sports related, it could be sports, but just the most famous alumni at, uh, in TSU history. The most famous alumni? Yes, sir. Um, uh, oh, I mean, Oprah is. There you go. There you go. We got one. Oh, you were the first. You, we are the first person to answer that correctly. I was gonna say young. I was gonna say young buck, Coach Jackson, but you know I didn't know if he was more famous. Or like, uh, it depends how old the person is that you're asking. Yeah, is probably. It's actually a tricky question because there's so much storied history at Tennessee State and you know alumni and so Oprah's obviously like you said the most famous, but there's a ton of Oprah. people that have gone there and going on to do really great things on and off the field so do you off the top of your head can you give it can you give us a couple because we uh, always because no, this is the we always end with this question so we always end with talking about oprah but uh, well you mean you have you have richard dent and clyde humphreys who are gold jackets and nfl pro football hall of fame you have 121 players that have been drafted i mean i'm using football right now but then, of course. hey listen yeah. you just brought up richard dent so i don't know if you can see behind yes. me that that's the right one to start with right there. chicago bear he's a bear guy i can't see it what, okay. what was it Right, you can't see this right here. This helmet, this Chicago Bears helmet. I didn't see it. What is that? I don't know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I was gonna bring it closer. I was gonna put it. I was gonna put it on. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean, and then you know, uh, politicians and uh, people that have come through too. So I mean, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of storied history of, with TSU, and I'm thankful. I know Coach Jackson. Everybody's happy to be here and, and grow this program. And you know, before we get off, Anthony, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's always good seeing you, you know, Coach Jackson. I get to see him every day, but they're on vacation right now, so I won't get to see him for a couple of weeks. Well, I'm, hey, I'm still working, though, Anthony. Yeah, I, I know. I know <laughs> I'm you're still, still working in my He's office. sitting at home. He's enjoying so, himself. You yeah, know, he yeah. went He went, He went. went and saw a nice show yesterday. He's, yeah, he's my daughter, yeah. What's his daughter? Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell us that what you know. She she she, you know she came first runner up. You know what? Let's brag a little. She, get, she You know what? Runner. No, I mean she was tough for her because the girl was a little older, and she competed. And she, you know, you get down to the the end of it, and her mom's like in her seat, just sweating. And and all of a sudden, another girl won, but she was first runner up. Very proud of her performance. She was outstanding. I mean, brought tears to my eyes with her performance. But it was a teaching moment for her. So I was able to share with her what the great ones do, you know, because in her house, she has downstairs a like a dance studio. And that was made specifically for her, but I don't see her in it. Enough. 
you know? So it's, it's a time that if you really want to be great at what you do, this is what the great ones do. They go spend that time away from the coaches and everybody else to work on things. And I think she gets it now, you know, cause that feeling that she had, that was the first time she hadn't won everything in a year and a half. So That's now good. all of a sudden that, That's that streak got broke. So I, I, like I was trying to explain to, to, to Michelle, my wife that, Hey, look, here's a great teaching moment for us, for her, you know, and to, to have her understand if this is what she really wants to do, because it seemed like it's her all consuming passion. This is where this has to go. And so uh, it was good. It was really good. You, you win or you learn, you win That's or you right. learn. And it's, you don't um, lose. Yeah, you never lose. <laughs> uh, coach, thank you. As always, Dusty, it's a pleasure. You. you have an open invitation. Anytime uh, you want to jump back on, uh, you are invited. Uh, so thanks again, uh, Sports Fluent, the coach at AK. Are you fluent in sports? Get the full Sports Fluent experience by joining us on YouTube by searching Sports Fluent. Or you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent or by visiting sportsfluent.com. Need more from sports? Don't forget to check out undraftedsports.com. The Undrafted Sports Media Network has everything you need from every sport under the sun.